0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show nationwide from my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta, Georgia. Home of the Braves, no less. I'll get over that World Series win at some point. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you would like to call in. I'm going to switch gears out of your standard rote political dynamics. Because there's something, uh, there's a big story circulating, and I would like to talk about it. I think it's relevant to virtually every single one of you. My, my So I've got, I've, I've expanded my show footprint outside of Georgia. So I'm now on in, for example, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I've had a ton of streamers in Columbus and Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why I have so many people who stream my show in those areas. I love you all. Thank you very much. Uh, but a large number in those areas. Uh, and then Jacksonville, Florida and Orlando, Florida. I'm also one of those areas. In addition to all the stations I've been on in Georgia, from Brunswick to Athens, to Rome, to to uh, Clarksville, you name it, around the state of Georgia, uh, except in Macon where I got my start. We're, we're working on that one, nonetheless. So I got a lot of cities. And I have strong feelings about cities. I actually love to go into the city. But I want to begin with this story. The San Francisco Chronicle has a story and the headline is two men with long criminal histories got caught for stealing bikes. What should San Francisco do about them? Now, I want to move beyond the particulars of that case to further down in the story. There is this. As of October 31st, San Francisco police had received reports of 810 burglaries or attempted burglaries this year in the jurisdiction of the Mission District Police Station, which includes the Castro area. That number marks a 13% increase from the 716 reported by the end of October last year. Police have dispatched more officers to the Castro and nearby areas to address the surge, fueled by a high-end bike boom and correlating with a drop in other forms of theft. The department also adjusted investigators' work schedules, enabling them to respond to crimes in the moment. Such measures probably helped in arresting Tiller and Howerton, police say. The two men arrested for the bikes. At the same time, residents and city leaders are searching for answers. Should they tolerate a high level of burglaries as a downside of city living and focus on barricading their homes? Should people who are repeatedly accused of stealing be targeted with rehabilitation services or incarcerated so they can't commit more crime? Supervisor Rafael Mandelman is frustrated. He's a longtime supporter of criminal justice reform whose policy views evolved as he grappled with property crime in his district, a persistent problem that makes residents feel vulnerable in their own homes. It raises tricky questions about incarceration, Mandelman said, because so far we've been unable to release Tiller and Howerton without them committing more crimes. And the question for reformers is, what do we do with someone like that? The Castro and surrounding neighborhoods are hot spots for burglary in part because many of the homes have garages or basements where restaurants stow bicycles, an enticement for thieves because they're vulnerable and fairly easy to swipe. Now, I want to go back to a key paragraph. I want you to listen to this, digest this, process this. Residents and city leaders of San Francisco are searching for answers. Should they tolerate a high level of burglaries as a downside of city living and focus on barricading their homes? Should people who are repeatedly accused of stealing be targeted with rehabilitation services or incarcerated so they can't commit more crimes? The city of San Francisco is having an open debate within a newspaper and at large in the public over whether the residents of the cities of that city should barricade their homes to prevent crime as opposed to arresting and jailing the criminals. This is where we are in San Francisco. Do you know? who came up with the idea of the city. Biblically, it was the very first murderer, Cain. Whether you believe that or not, there is a theology of cities, and it is inevitably not good. I've made that statement before, and a guy on Twitter flagged Tim Keller. Reverend Keller, Reverend Keller, I'm sure you would disagree. Maybe you should comment on this. Tim Keller agreed. There is a theology of cities in the Bible and it is not a good theology. The cities are where the bad things happen and the bad people live. That does not mean you can avoid the cities. It does not mean you should avoid the cities. You must go to the cities. Jesus himself went to Jerusalem, and that is where he was murdered. The city is the invention of Cain, the man who murdered Abel. If you believe that, whether you believe that or not, I don't care. I'm just putting that in perspective for you for the Bible. There is a theology of cities and it is not good. There is a secular theology of cities and it is very good. But the secular theology of the cities of the secularists is that people should move to the cities wherein they are more easily controlled and their lives can be fairly governed and dictated by government. The problem is that we've been in a global pandemic, and city living was not really what you wanted during the time of a rapidly spreading virus. Cities are idealized by culture. And frankly, Republicans need to figure out a way to make inroads into cities. You know, Miami as a Republican mayor. There are not a lot of cities in which Republicans govern. Cities tend to be the hubs of progressivism and secularism, of atheism, of cultural rot. It is the city churches that have the pride flags and the fake gospel. It is the cities that have the wackadoo public policies to save the environment from the city dwellers. In Washington, D.C., there's a tweet that's gone viral of a man who is upset because a black couple has parked their car in a bike lane. The bikes could go around it, but he, the young white man, wants to lecture the older black couple Those lanes are for him now. They've gentrified the cities. And the black people, the progressive white people all love, they're the ones who are no longer able to live in the cities because the price of living in the cities has gone up. And eventually your city gets to San Francisco. Where in San Francisco, they don't know whether they should just barricade their homes and accept that crime's a thing or imprison the criminals. San Francisco is the theology of the city made real. It is a crime-infested third-world hellhole where people do drugs and poop on the streets and the residents are so afraid of offense of anyone except the righteous that they would rather the criminals steal their things than actually throw people in prison the Republicans, now we make it political, the Republicans should use this. They should not give up on the cities, but they should be mindful that the big cities, the metropolises of America, from New York to Atlanta, to San Francisco to Los Angeles, to Chicago, they're probably not going to be governed anytime soon by Republicans. But it is the mid-tier cities where Republicans have opportunities. A friend of mine was talking about Texas. And, you know, in in Texas, you've got Austin and San Antonio and Houston and Dallas and Fort Worth and the really big cities, El Paso, that are are, uh, so dominant in the media's mind. But actually, it's the Midlands and the Wacos. It's the smaller cities, the mid-tier cities that actually control the politics of Texas. And in those cities, Republicans have opportunities because in those cities, the cities and the suburbs are closely adjoined. And a lot of the suburbanites and the city people, they flow back and forth. And they tend to be more conservative than the metropolises. The metropolises, the big cities, they become pockets of hedonism. We see this in Atlanta now. And anything goes culture. And in that anything goes culture, the only thing that doesn't go is really Righteousness. Uh, conservatism, uh, sanity. In Atlanta, we see this with the bottle boys. So in Atlanta, if you come into our city, there are young men who have been standing on street corners selling bottles of water. There have been shootings, there's been crimes, there have been carjackings. And the city of Atlanta has essentially told the police not to do anything about it. And it's festered and gotten out of control. In Atlanta, the mayor of Atlanta has prohibited the police from chasing people, car chases. So in the middle of the night, drag races happen down the street in Atlanta and wake everyone up because the police know they can't chase the people. This mayor was too unpopular and cannot run again and is on the way out. There are two people running, uh, Andre, Andre Dickens and the president of the city council, Felicia Moore, I think her name is. Uh, Mr. Dickens, for those of you in the Atlanta area who need to know, he's the only person running with private sector experience. You might want to consider someone with some private sector experience. If so, there's your man. The rest of us should look on this and see these are ultimately progressivism's failures. Progressive's failures tend to turn into crime-ridden cities. We should hope that none of our cities get to the state that San Francisco is in. But you got to understand that there's something underlying this, and this is where I want to dwell for a little while in this hour. There's a culture problem. It goes beyond the economic issues and the crime issues. There's a cultural issue with cities. Young people who have given up on God and worship themselves and their luxuries move into cities, drive up the prices, impact the poor negatively, the poor have to move out. They can't pay their taxes. There's their areas of their community. They get renovated and rebuilt and expensive. And the young hipsters move in. Gentrification happens. And more and more of the people who love the city are left out of the city. And it's the people who want, who want to suck the soul of the city who are left behind And Republicans need to really think about their answers to these problems because they're never going to now make inroads into these cities, but they can stop the left from corrupting more cities. Ultimately, though, you do have to keep in mind, it's a cultural issue. It is a theological issue. And I know a lot of you don't want to think about the theology of this, but just consider, has there ever been a city in scripture that was really good? No, because there's a theology of cities and it's bad. It's the people in the rural areas that tend to be the people who tend to be the more culturally conservative, tend to be the more religious. You get into the cities and you get swept up by the luxury and the the, the culture of the city and it can rot your soul. I, I'm not against cities, but I think you got to be realistic about them and Republicans should be and those of you who are intrigued by cities should be aware that when you get there, those are where the progressives like to control you and put you in the subway system and take away your car and drive up your prices because in the cities, the left dominates. The problem for the Democrats is more and more people are moving to suburbia outside of the cities, and the suburbs have decisively shifted back. Without Trump, they've swung back rapidly to the GOP, and it presents... Not just a cultural dilemma, but a political one, too. Y'all, from the moment I sat in my ex-chair, my body said, this is what a real office chair is supposed to be like. I had, gosh, I had gone through office chairs, and then I got my ex-chair, and it is the perfect chair. In fact, my ex-chair, unlike your chair, can massage my back while I'm sitting doing three hours of talk radio. It can even heat up and cool down, depending on my office, which tends to run hot in the summer and cold in the wintertime. And it's all in the LMX massage and temperature regulation, exclusively designed for the X-chair. And once you feel the customized support of X-chair's patented dynamic lumbar, DVL, they call it, dynamic variable lumbar, your back's going to be happy. What I need you to do, you got to go check out the X-chair because yeah, I bought the, y'all know the expensive brand and I bought it. It was a good chair. It actually was a really good chair. And X-Chair takes it to the next level. What you need to do is go to xchaireric.com now. That's X, the letter X chair, erick.com or call 844-4X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. It's xchaireric, com. It is worth it. This is out of the program, brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan in Noonan, Georgia, but they can help you anywhere in the United States. If you are in charge of the finances for a business, you want that business to grow, need access to large loans, six figures and up, reach out to First Liberty. They make their own lending decisions. They want to say yes, where so many banks are saying no. First FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. Okay. I, th- there's, there's this ongoing Exchange happening on social media right now among progressives that is very fascinating to watch. And again, this this gets into the culture and the theology of, of cities. Progressives are realizing they have a problem. The suburbs are rapidly, rapidly moving away from them to the GOP. I I I warned everyone in January with the runoff in Georgia. There was a six-point shift back to the Republicans by suburban voters who didn't like Donald Trump. And with him not on the ballot, they moved back to the GOP. And all the other Trump stuff didn't matter. The media is still so wedded to Donald Trump and blaming Trump for everything. They can't process that he's not inspiring voters to stay with Democrats. So they're having conversations. How, how do we reach out to these people, particularly the, the non-college-educated white people out there? And almost to a person, the left is telling themselves, well, I, I don't know how to reach out to racists because I'm not a racist. How, how do you reach out to racists without becoming a racist? They really don't get it. Amy Susskind is one of those. She She's on uh, the, these these non-college-educated white women who voted for Yunkin. They just want to perpetuate racism. I don't know. If somebody give me advice. How do I reach out to them? They don't understand it. They don't understand what happened. They have so internalized their own mythology. You know, and this is, this is one of the issues. Uh, I, I run into all the time Republicans who say, I don't know that I can vote in 2022 because we haven't done what really needs to be done to fix 2020 when they stole it then. Now, they've mythologized 2020s. Many of you, I realize, I'm, I'm, I'm raising your hackles by saying this, but the idea that you're not even going to test the hypothesis is what's baffling to me. You think 2020 was stolen? Okay, go vote in 2022 and see if they can steal it. If they steal it, then yes, you have a problem, but you don't know, you presume, and because you presume, you, you should at least be scientific about it and test your hypothesis. Now, what's even more baffling is on the left side, these voters that they accuse of being racist voted for Barack Obama, the first black president of the United States. Many of these people were Obama voters, and a great deal of them voted for Kamala Harris as vice president. And in Virginia, they just elected, these people did, the first black female lieutenant governor of Virginia. So all of the testing of the hypotheses show these people are not racist, and yet the left immediately presumes they must be racist. They've tested their hypothesis. They've decided the hypothesis or the evidence shows the hypothesis is wrong, and yet they've doubled down on their hypothesis that these people are racist. And this is going to hurt them in 2022. A wave is building, and it's a cultural wave, not an economic wave, but the econo- economics play into it. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC. That's eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. My dad texted me during the break. He said, San Francisco has become such a third-world hellhole that you expect the homeless people to be wearing the Houston Astros World Series championship jerseys. <laughs> Probably they. I bet they are. All right. Let's let's go to uh, Delane. You're going to be up next. Did I pronounce your name right? You did, Eric. Thank you. Thanks for being here. So, Eric, you know, thinking about the election results and uh, some of the the city issues that you talked about, and the the re- religion that ideology has become. Rush had a great way of talking about this and he described it as the club. And membership in the club is so important that you'll ignore everything like the crime in Chicago uh, and and all these things. Um, And I just wondered if you had uh, any thoughts about that in the way that Rush would talk about how important it was to be a member of the club with the media and the people in politics. There, There is a, yeah, I, I think there's some truth there. It's it's a signaling, a, a virtue signaling, if you will, that, that you are a part of some group you aspire to be. You want to be on the right side of a particular group. You want to be in the club. I mean, it's always more fun in the club. Uh, to do so increasingly, though, you have to grab hold of uh, all sorts of um, crazy ideas, and, and some people are willing to do that. Uh, and you know, this is the perfect segue, lane to, to get to this audio here of uh, Bettina Unger Sarg. Sar, is it Sargon? Uh, she is an editor at Newsweek. She was on with Brian Selter on CNN. Listen to this. Then even people of color, the people of color that they're advocating on behalf of, they started to advocate for things like defund the police as we saw recently. That is a view that is most closely held by highly affluent, highly educated liberal elites, while 81% of black Americans oppose defunding the police. So in my book, I'm trying to explore where did that come from? Where did this great awokening come from and why did it happen? And what I argue is that it is essentially affluent white liberals using the real pain of black Americans in order to withdraw from the common good and abandon the working class of all races. That's the argument. It's true. She's not wrong. We are talking about class struggle in this country. And the club is the club of generally white, secular, progressive, rich people that others aspire to connect to and be a part of. And they wish to impose their worldview on the rest of us and their values on the rest of us. David Arsenio, National Review, pointed out just a a few minutes ago on Twitter, have you ever noticed how all of the concerns and legitimate news stories that conservatives point out are dismissed constantly? Uh, Look at the stories. Defund the police. Oh, it's not really an issue, the left said. Criminality, crime on the rise. No, it's not really an issue. Critical race theory, not really an issue. Hunter Biden's laptop, not really an issue. And now, here it is. Wokeism today, if you use wokeism, if you use the word woke, you're racist. Because it really doesn't mean anything. There's a cultural rot within the left. And they can't really defend what they're doing, and so they deny it exists and they try to change the words on you. They say it's not really true. And the problem for conservatives is that oftentimes the conservatives choose not to engage it, but to engage in in ghettoization of themselves. Frankly, if you look at a lot of conservative media out there, it looks third rate. Watch shows and movies put on by uh, the Christian groups, and they're dreadful. I'm they're 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 terribly produced. They're terribly the cinematography is is lame. The acting is pathetic. And it, you try to rise a, a cultural alternative, and and you do it um, half baked. Part of this, by the way, is that a lot of conservative investors who invest in these sorts of things, they want a real financial return on investment. You know, this comes up all the time in politics and culture for me in in the world, in the the space that I deal with. Uh, Progressive donors tend to want to see cultural shifts. Conservative donors tend to want their money back. So a progressive is going to want you to spend lavishly to shape culture and a per in a conservative donor is going to want you to spend conservatively so that he can get his money back with some interest when you failed. So conservatives, they try to do Hollywood and they do it in a way that no one really wants your average Christian movie. God's not dead. Part 2,587. Eh. Now, I say this to transition to this point, a group of conservatives are funding a new university in of all places, Austin, Texas, heart of hipsterville. They're going to try to do conservative education with conservative faculty in of all places, Austin, Texas. Pano Canelos is the president of St. John's College in Annapolis, he, leaving there to start the University of Austin. Let me read you some of this. Barry Weiss has this at our substack. So much is broken in America, but a higher education might be the most fractured institution of all. There's a gaping chasm between the promise and the reality of higher education. Yale's motto is et Veritas, Light and Truth. Harvard proclaims Veritas. Young men and women of Sanford are told, Die Luft der White, the winds of freedom blow. You'll have to excuse my pronunciation. These are soaring words, but in these top schools and so many others, can we actually claim that the pursuit of truth, once the central purpose of a university, remains the highest virtue? Do we honestly believe that the crucial means to that end, freedom of inquiry and civic discourse, prevail when illiberalism has gotten, become a perverse, pervasive feature of college life. The numbers tell the story as well as any anecdote you've read in the headlines or heard within your own circles. Nearly a quarter of American academics in the social sciences or humanities endorse ousting a colleague for having a wrong opinion about hot button issues such as immigration or gender differences. Over a third of conservative academics and PhD students say they've been threatened with disciplinary action for their views. Four out of five American Ph.D. students are willing to discriminate against right-leaning scholars, according to a report by the Center for Study of Partisanship and Ideology. The picture among undergraduates is even bleaker. In Heterodox Academy's 2020 Campus Expression Survey, 62% of sampled college students agreed that the climate on their campus prevented students from saying things they believe. Nearly 70% of students favor reporting professors if the professor says something students find offensive, according to a Challey Institute for Global Innovation survey. The Foundation for Individual Rights in Education reports at least 491 disinvitation campaigns since 2000. Roughly half were successful. On our quad, faculty are being treated like thought criminals. Dorian Abbott, a University of Chicago scientist who has objected to aspects of affirmative action, was recently disinvited from delivering a prominent public lecture on planetary climate at MIT. Peter Boghossian, philosophy professor at Portland State University, finally quit in September after years of harassment by faculty and administrators. Kathleen Stock, a professor at the University of Sussex, resigned after mobs threatened her over her research on sex and gender. So he and a number of others are starting the University of Austin. Our project began with a small gathering of those concerned about the state of higher education, Niall Ferguson, Barry Wise, Heather Hyen, Joe Lonsdale, Arthur Brooks, and I, and we have since been joined by many others, including Kathleen Stock, Dorian Abbott, and Peter Boghazian. We count among our numbers, university presidents, Robert Zimmer, Larry Summers, John Nunes, Gordon Gee, and leading academics such as Steven Pinker, Deidre McCloskey, Leon Cass, Jonathan Haidt. Glenn Lowry, Joshua Katz, Vicki Sullivan, Jeffrey Stone, Bill McClay, and Tyler Cowan We're joined by journalists, artists, philosophers, researchers, and public intellectuals, and we're dedicated. It will be countercultural. The university as we know it today is an institution that originated in 11th century Europe. The fact that there have been universities for nearly a 1,000 years tells us something important. So there will be a rigorous curriculum dedicated in uh, Western writings and thoughts. And they will seek, they hope, over time to have a culturally conservative bastion in a place like Austin, Texas. We should encourage this. And I would note that those who are involved are not all conservatives. Some of them are liberals, but they all stand against wokeism right now. They all stand against this this prevailing uh, left-wing exercise on college campuses against free speech and free inquiry of thought. That should be encouraged, but I have a caveat here. The left is very culturally dominant in this country, but that does not mean their dominance is in perpetuity. But the right so often, so, so often ghettoizes itself into crap-looking websites and crap-looking cultural productions, conservative musicians. There are some great ones out there who do good work. But when they head off into, I'm a conservative and I plant my flag as a conservative, you immediately plant your flag in a way to say, this is for my people as opposed to this is for everyone. The thing that I really like and am encouraged about with this University of Austin idea is that they're planting the flag on behalf of ideas, liberal and conservative. Where their flag is planted is a flag that says, we are open to all comers who wish to engage. And the only thing they're not going to tolerate is anyone who wants to censor it. That's a good idea. It's a really good idea. But I just got to be cautious because I have seen conservatives for too long, not because the left has put them there, but by choice decide that they're going to go off and do their own thing in a way that doesn't resonate with anyone outside their sphere. And there's no way to witness and be a missionary to the undecided who might persuade you. And frankly, a lot of conservatism has gotten as angry as the left has gotten. And we've got cultural rot in this country. We have an opening for conservatives. All they've got to do is not be crazy. And all they've got to do is not be angry. If you can be happy and brave and sane, you can have a real impact in this country. There are a lot of people open to conservatism in all of its various forms these days. And it takes on all sorts of forms. My buddy Andrew Walker has a great piece this morning in World Magazine about uh, how Christian conservatives need to put their Christianity first. There's this whole um, manly, rugged individualist conservatism. Some are calling it the Barstool conservatism, where they're brash and vulgar and conservative in some sort of like cultural way, but not really a philosophical way. And that maybe Christian conservatives can work with them, but that you can't sacrifice your faith along the way. Conservatives themselves, regardless of whether they are faith conservatives or not, Got to be very careful about not surrendering their core values into culture, but also providing a way for culture to make conservatism accessible. And so often conservatives just ghettoize themselves. I hope, I pray, I'm encouraged by this idea of the University of Austin. But they do have to remember the theology of cities is not good. Cities are where conservatives go to be co-opted by progressives. They will have to be very vigilant long-term, not to be co-opted by progressives by being in a city. Now, some of the people who are helping conservatives avoid being co-opted are people who work at Patriot Mobile. They spend their money, their profits on the pro-life cause and the Second Amendment cause and veterans and first responders. Why? Because they actually are committed culturally Christian conservatives. And they want to put points on the board for our side to do that, they need you to take their, your business to them. Instead of going to one of the woke Fortune 500 corporations out there doing the the critical race theory, education, training for employees, you're never not going to have to pay for that at, at uh, Patriot Mobile. It's not part of the bill there. And you get a discount, free activation with my name and, and discounts you're your veteran, first responder, large family. Patriot Mobile, they want your business. They got great coverage. They use the cell towers all the other companies use. You can go check them out yourself, patriotmobile.com slash eric patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or you can call them 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT, call them, tell them I sent you, get free activation, do business with a company that shares your values. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I got a number of people who emailed in when I was talking about this University of Austin that uh, this group of uh thinkers has started Uh, what about hillsdale hillsdale is a great college but uh why just one there should be a a plethora of colleges out there uh, that are dedicated to free inquiry now this one they're going to start with graduate levels and then they will move to the undergraduate level when we come back i i got to move on from the culture front to get into actual raw politics i put it off as long as i could there's so much out there and a firestorm has been created with jennifer granholm the secretary of energy going on television yesterday saying this will likely be a cold winter most of them are mm-hmm. expect to pay higher prices for heating their homes yeah uh, th- this is going to happen it will be uh it will be more expensive this year than last year um, we are in a slightly beneficial position was well, certainly relative to europe because their chokehold of natural gas is very significant they're going to pay five times higher but we have the same problem in fuels that the supply chains have, which is that the oil and gas companies are not flipping the switch as quickly as the demand requires. And so that's why the president has been focused on both the immediate term and the long term. Let us get off of the volatility associated with fossil fuels Mm -hmm. and associated with others who don't have our country's interests at heart and invest in moving to clean energy where we will not have this problem. And that's so much of what these two bills are focused on. Now, wait a second. I distinctly remember Texas going dark because Texas had spent so much time on renewables. It didn't have baseload power. That's, that's where she wants us to go is, is more renewables. Y'all, what you have to remember is your high gas prices and high energy prices are part of the Democrats' plan. They can't hide it at this point. It's part of their plan. They want you to have higher prices because your higher prices will discourage you from putting gas in your car if they can discourage you from doing that. It's a tax on the poor, and the working class in this country. And those people are fighting back at the ballot box by throwing the Democrats out. The Biden administration right now is considering shutting down another pipeline. This one is runs through Michigan, and it delivers petroleum from Canada, 540,000 barrels a day. And they're thinking it's called Line 5, and the Biden administration is considering shutting this one down as well because they want the price at the pump to go up because they want you to get a battery-powered car that you can't afford. And they want you to turn off your heating and air unless it's fueled by unicorn farts. That's not going to work. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business,